Broadcasting live from our satellite studios in New York City, New York, it's time for the special on-the-road edition of Learning Insights, featuring learning professionals who are improving performance and driving business results. And we are back with another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. This is our post-lunch segment. Right, extra espresso to compensate <laughs> for the food. We have the espresso machine right here in the facility, which Regis always treats us great everywhere we, we go. But I, this may be the only one that I that I remember having an actual espresso machine. Well, I thought it was because Steve Capon knew it, it was important to us and the folks at Training Pros just go the extra effort. Yeah, man, they made it happen. This is going to be a fun segment because we have a returning expert guest with us. That's right. Uh, we first had an opportunity to have a conversation with this young lady in Boston. Please join me in welcoming back to the show, Miss Sharon Claffy Kaliubi. Hello. How are we doing? How do you do? Uh, very good. Very Just a good. little bit of a pause there between Claffy and Kaliubi, but uh, <laughs> I thought it was dramatic effect. <laughs> that's what it was. It was all. It was all planned. But no, we had a we had a great time visiting with you uh, in in Boston, and I was just a, as excited as I could be when I saw on the itinerary. So we were going to have you back on the back on the broadcast. What have you been up to since we saw you last? Ah, doing lots and lots of work here. Um, working within a regulated environment, keeping busy, and making sure we get things done with innovation. No, you don't hear that often in the same sentence. I don't yeah, think regulation Regulated? and innovation. innovation. Right. How do you pull that off? <laughs> uh, it's difficult. It's not easy. Um, I think uh, regulation has become even more important these days, and. The only way we're going to get the results that we need to meet regulation is to be innovative, as difficult as that may be. So now, um, when you're in this kind of regulation environment or regulatory environment, to, is that in your head you're like, okay, there's a lot of parameters, so then I just got to work around it? Is that kind of the mentality there? Absolutely. Um, I mean, unfortunately, it forces or it has forced us into click next plan training. And that that's a shame. Um, you can't get rid of that. Sometimes it's necessary to protect the companies um, from auditors. But what you can do is take it the extra mile and mm -hmm. put in some innovative um I don't know, supplemental type of learning so that you're really looking at impacting behavior as well as fulfilling the needs that the company has to do. So you can't ignore one or the other. Hopefully, um, the training will evolve into learning and um, it will improve as it's become that much more important the last few years. So technology playing a role in this? Or are, you, are you starting to do new and different things with, I don't know, video, audio, uh, phone, e-learning, Right. Is that is that helping in this um, regard? The modes of medium have definitely um, been a big factor in making it innovative. Mixing it up, I just actually presented on this topic at um, Elliot Macy's Learning 2015, and I brought my notes here. We did a number of flip charts, and what came through was many organizations with this type of training are using videos. Um, they're also incorporating stories and scenarios, mm -hmm. which I thought was really neat. These were things that everybody mentioned. They needed to add context to the content of the regulatory training. And that's something that you have a little more flexibility doing if you use it as supplemental learning. But it's still a critical component of it. Mm, that, very much. Which is interesting because storytelling has been around forever. And here yes. it is it kind of now coming back in, in terms of importance to really get the learning to to become in real life terms, I guess, for right. the learner. I think it's resurfacing because the technology has improved. Um, mm -hmm. Way back, maybe 10 years ago, 
you needed to focus the learning to the lowest common denominator. So in many organizations globally, uh, perhaps Asia didn't have the same technical infrastructure that the US or Europe had. Mm -hmm. So they had to pull back a bit, um, pull away from videos and storytelling in order to make sure that they could get the message across. Right. Um, we're, you know, the world of the internet, things are really moving along, uh, social media. So um, our minds are trained and we're a lot more accepting. Um, also, it's easier to put an iPhone in someone's hand and let them add their context to that regulatory mm -hmm. training. And that's something that we're able to deploy globally. I think it was like 100K you'd have to spend to get a video on a CD-ROM. And uh, then you'd have to ship it over. And then many <laughs> offices, regardless of location, couldn't use audio. You needed to schedule time to learn. That's all gone away. So e-learning, traditional e-learning has evolved into um, futuristic learning. Um, I think the regulatory component has lagged behind a little bit just because they can't risk not having the box checked. Now, when you're doing this kind of global storytelling, do you have to create, get, capture these stories in all different cultures right. and then customize it to that culture? Or are there, like, can you share the Asian learning with the European or is it? Uh, great, great question. It almost goes back to our other conversation that we had a couple of weeks ago on the global learning is um, the localization of it. Right. So uh, I think you need to acknowledge all regions and that something may look a little bit different regardless of where you're at, but it could be the same story. Uh, just told with different flavors and, and different, once again, different context to the content there. Uh, with the regulatory, you are focused mm. probably more on the same story. But if you could make the players a little more international, that really builds up the credibility. Is it possible to capture like user generated content in this regard, like get the individuals to get the stories and then somebody on your team curates it and uh, uh, that's great yes we are um, definitely looking at that I've looked at that in a number of organizations uh, there's more platforms that are much more collaborative mm -hmm. it's not yet really in a polished version right um, but it's definitely the way to go and once again that supplements right that you know regulatory check the box where are we going and right and then you can't so get rid of that that's no. part of the deal so but this other stuff can really enhance it and and make it more palatable A absolutely and i think i mean with time and the improvement of technology i do believe we will go beyond the bland click next and we will do so probably with the frontier people using the supplemental learning we've used um the hand draws they call them wide draws where something like the Volca rule can be drawn out and you have like a convertible car with two people, customer and the client and your company and trying to explain what does that mean in a very animated way. Mm -hmm. um, we are using some of uh, the subject matter experts within organizations getting on a three minute video with the same template of information, explaining why and how that goes. And one other really neat example is the use of simulations uh, using a GoPro and recording what does clear desk guideline really mean you know it's it's a general term doesn't mean you just you know dump your entire desk into a drawer which is what i did for a while um no is there a grow pro video of that <laughs> there is actually but i wouldn't let them use my desk um but it's ensuring that people really comprehend and that the behavior shifts and then you know based on the click next people understand what does it actually mean to have compliant content on your desk and we're able to visually show if it says confidential, is it, you know, said uh, internal only, that's okay if it's on your desk versus, uh, or that's not okay. But if you have um, the corporate logo on it and it's got its official approval, you can leave that stuff out. So different companies would have different rules, but let's visually show people 
put it in the scenario of, hey, I'm leaving for the day and what do I see on the desk? Or um, I'm managing this person and I go in and I see that the whiteboard's still loaded with a lot of the private confidential right. content. How do we coach around that? So it's, it's that stuff that I think eventually everything will blend together in, in five to 10 years, hopefully. Uh, Lee, I got to say, you're really good. Just intuitively, you understand the value of and you're really good at drawing out stories because, you know, you and I, Lee and I, we do a lot of interviews together and he will make a point of, you know, getting someone to share a story, even though they may have explained something just a moment ago from a question I asked. You're really good about can you share an anecdote? Can you can you share a story? I really like the idea that you described uh, a couple of moments ago. Or, or the picture I got was like you're just throwing lines in the water um, of making it easy for people to share stories when they happen and when they right. and there's more and more technology. I came across one not too long ago, uh, and maybe you guys are already aware of this. You can just click on it if you on your laptop and and record and start telling a story. Right, right, and so you can a cool do way it, to capture, right? Absolutely, and you can do a day in the life of, you know, day in the life of X Y Z employee. They come in in the morning. What do they see? How does that impact their regulatory environment? You can focus on certain scenarios. Um, you can do like record here, uh, podcasts, very retro, but yet they're coming alive again because they can be mobile enabled. Some people want to listen to things on the train. Some people want to see things. So I wouldn't get stuck in the type of uh, mode or medium, but just know mix it up. Right. And that and today's world is an on-demand world. Mm -hmm. So you have to... Um, create the content in a, in all kind of media. Absolutely. So um, I want to ask about repetition and um, because it, it's my, it's my instinct that a lot of compliance training that people may have the mindset that, okay, been there, done that. And then I don't go back and provide the, the, the reinforcement, the, the, the daily coaching guiding uh do you find that sometimes that we fall into that trap because it is compliance and because it's right. not quote soft skills, right. we just hit it once and then, and then we're done. That's absolutely right. Not everybody does it, but there's really some unique um, vendors out there and techniques being used with questioning. So um, one company QStream that came to mind is they have this technology that you get maybe 10 to 15 questions shuffled in. So once again, doesn't replace the check, you know, check the box. It could, but let's not panic. Let's keep what's there. Let's not, you know, try to take over the world. But it puts in 10 to 15 questions that are relevant to that regulatory or whatever information you mm -hmm. need to get to them. The uh, individuals, and many times it's like a sales or distribution team, will take the question and three minutes, right or wrong. If you get it wrong, you get what the answer should be. So you get immediate feedback. It gets shuffled back into this deck. And it turns out that maybe you're putting in an hour, but you're doing three to five minutes a week. Right. And I guess scientifically, they've done brainwave studies mm -hmm. and all this other stuff. It's a spin out from Harvard Medical mm -hmm. um, that they actually see that the behavior becomes impacted. And you can also create what's neat too is this concept that came up in the uh, conference as well as badging, gamification. You can, you know, put teams against teams. As like a leaderboard? Leaderboard. Or? Perfect. Huh. Yeah. And, and um, that hasn't been used as much in my experience, but I was intrigued and very excited to see this came up in the conference as something that was proven successful in maybe like three to five organizations. So I think with this topic too is start reaching out, find out what other folks in the industry, I think a number of organizations have definitely created these uh, supplemental or creative options to ensuring the regulatory information is understood, but there's no repository within the industry that I'm aware of 
that houses it all. So take the time, reach out to the networks. When you're at events and conferences, make this part of the topic, Mm -hmm. part of your conversation. And then you find that the industry is good about this collaboration and sharing these kind of best practices? I mean, I think the industry's made for that. Um, You know, we just had the ATD New York event last night with the CLO Roundtable, and you couldn't stop people from talking before and after, and everybody wants to do it. You know, it's a great industry for that. Mm -hmm. We're, We're made for it almost. That was a lot of fun. I mean, we had three CLOs up there on a, on a riser, and they were just, uh, aside from really sharing some really substantive, meaningful content that, that the people really found valuable, you could tell, they were, just, they were so approachable. Before, yeah. during, and after, that whole evening was just, uh, it, it was delightful. I, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I thought it was, and the audience was so hungry for that kind of interaction. And, and the CLOs were so generous with their time mm-hmm. and their openness and sharing. So I want to go, if you don't mind, and I know we didn't actually ask for this and it's not on any of my paperwork, but right. now that I know that you've been there, I'd like a little bit more of a Macy report. Uh, it's not a conference I've ever been to. My wife is, is in the arena. She's an executive consultant with, with, the, with a large organization and she's been to several of these, but she didn't go to this one. Okay. What was some other cool stuff that happened at the at the conference? Then? Um, well, they they actually it was over two thousand people attended. Wow! Um, I know it was it was fabulous. Um, I tell you, my career's probably evolved based on the networks that I've created through the years attending this event with uh, Elliot Macy leading it. But it's almost that Elliot Macy empowers the attendees to take charge. So Mm -hmm. he'll get a number of practitioners to deliver sessions. Vendors partner up with their customers. So you see the act of the vendor through the customer's eyes, and therefore it translates a little bit better. Um, And then they always have the um, off the wall type of networking type Uh of things, Um, going to Epcot, interviewing people that wouldn't be always perceived as, hey, this is L&D. They do a lot of uh, psycho behavioral interviews sometimes. Uh, He sits up there kind of like an Oprah or, you know, (laughs) any interviews. He had uh, Steve Wozniak there and it was intriguing to hear how learning fit within the, you know, development of his rise and career and Steve Jobs and things like that. So there's a lot of alignment between um, business in general to where it fits within the L&D industry. Um, and there was, I, I was fortunate enough to lead a women in learning session that's been something uh, Elliot's had there for many, many years. Um, I've only done the last couple of years. And just hearing the, you know, continuity of the group coming together year after year and seeing how that topic evolves along with many other topics, global learning, uh, this topic that we're talking about today, among many, many others. You almost got frustrated because it was, you might have three options that you wanted to go to at the same hour. And they were all concurrent? Uh, all concurrent for two, three uh, days. It's not a quickie. It's like wow. s- Sunday to Wednesday. Um, and people stay engaged the entire time. Uh, they have walkabouts where you walk and talk about a, a subject. Wow. I, I think you guys would be awesome there, you know, just getting some of these That would be fun to hang out there. Maybe that would be fun. Yeah. 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 So anyways, that's my little report. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, uh, I mean, you're you're a seasoned pro. Do you ever get kind of nervous butterflies when you're standing in front of particularly a group of other practitioners? Absolutely. And you're, yes. Yeah, I always do. I mean, it's really? the, um, the adrenaline. I'm, I love sports, right? athletics. I don't think I would do it if I if it was boring or you just and it would be standing in front of anyone like even here in front of a mic. But <laughs> <laughs> you'd never know it. I mean, I guess that is the mark of a pro. But inside, there's just a little bit oh, of that yes. kind of jittery when you yes. at least in the initial. Yes. How about yeah. that? When you when you did your talk um, uh, with the women in the industry talk, did you find it generationally? Ah, I'm glad you got that. Um, 
generally, generationally, even for all these topics, um, I don't see it being X, Y, I like to X, Y, Z, A, B, C. Um, that was something that has always come up. Um, I see it as the type of learner that you are, the type of person you are in an organization. So where do you fit in the life cycle, mm-hmm. regardless of being female or male? Um, are you seasoned within that organization? Are you a new hire, regardless of what level? That I think that plays more of an impact than the age. I know there's this big chatter about like, oh, these millennials coming in. If you talk to any of them, they're probably more traditional in their way of consumption. They use technology to meet physically meet up with people. Right. They have a, a section of folks called silver surfers. And they are the true users of this technology because they can't physically meet up with people that they maybe knew 30, 40 years ago. They are online and they are living the life of connecting and really engaging. My in-laws are always Facebooking this and that and take, you know, and they have their own way of using it. (laughs) And I think that's the case even um, in the learning industry is let's not generalize. And most um, I met with the 30 under 30. Elliot always has that, which is hysterical. It was at 7, 10 in the morning. And I was like, holy, holy cow. I didn't think <laughs> yeah, you guys as a I'm general sure rule wanted to get up. Holy cow. Yeah, holy cow. That's, that's the phrase. Did you see that? I, tried to, I didn't want you to have to bleep anything here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it needs to be acknowledged, but more from the angle of your life cycle within an organization, mm-hmm. the type of learner you are, and really where you fit within the topic. Now, what about, is that true globally as well? I find it is. I mean, that's just my personal experience. I don't know if there's much being done on it. Um, I think it was only five to seven years ago that I almost got booed out of conferences globally as being like, you know, I think this millennial stuff is crap. You know, everyone's telling a particular age group what they think. Uh, when I was growing up, we were the Sesame Street generation. We were going to be ruined because we were the first group to actually sit what, what, a foot from the TV, right? right? And TV was initially um, created as an educational tool. That's my background is studying television. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did television in the classroom and this is, you know, before the internet and our heads were going to explode from microwaves (laughs) and sitting too close to the TV. (laughs) The same way as, you know, future generations will have different technologies that are going to ruin them. Somehow we're surviving as the human race and I think we're doing okay. Um, We actually had ML Carr, who was a Celtics player, uh, really do a, a relationship to like what it was like when he was younger going out and it was like the phones and this and that and he said it's it's all the same thing it's whatever is perceived as new mm-hmm. and engaging um and he did that for a learning company and mind leaders um which is now i think um, part of skillsoft it, you know just saying don't get caught into this stereotypical uh, you know generalizing of, of folks and people and the way i mean that can get you down the hole from a learning perspective too mm-hmm. think about what the end result's going to be and how to get there with folks in general um based on their learning type or or the way that they consume information so uh, what are you excited about next? Ah, uh, getting home. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm, wow. I'm, I think I'm, it's time to wrap uh, this. Uh, no, no, no. We're done here. I've, I've <laughs> I just had an amazing, uh, you know, day or no, two here in New yeah. York City. You know, at the they say speed of business. You know, the New York Minute. You can't right. you can't beat that. Um, but yeah, just kind of getting back to the office. I've been able to check in on things, and you know, there's a lot going on in the industry, and just to even keep your finger on the pulse of it all takes a certain level of energy that I don't think had to be done 10 to 15 years ago mm-hmm. the way it does now. Because the, the speed, everything's happening so quickly. Happening, and because information's all around us. So right. how do you take it in curation, like you were saying? How do you take it in? How do you process it and get it out so that it's relevant for your day-to-day work? And embedding all that in the workflow of the folks you're serving. So, And helpful note to self, 
don't try to follow Elliot Macy. So <laughs> you and I learned. <laughs> no, this no. has been so much fun. I love having you in the studio. Thank you. I, I, I mean, I think we ought to do this like every month or so. <laughs> we're already, we've established the pattern, right? We did it in Boston. We did it here. Uh, but you're just so much fun. You have so much to offer. And uh, I'm quite sincere. I want to keep doing this from time to time whenever okay. we can. Thank you so much for coming and hanging with us. Well, I think the industry needs stuff like what you guys are providing here. This is really like last night hearing from the CLOs, uh, hearing the tidbits and how different, you know, practitioners are taking on the industry. We can all learn from that and to have it all in one place like you guys are offering. Outstanding. And it's like you said, it's those authentic real life experiences that are being shared. The stories of the industry are being shared. And that's important. That's how people learn. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right. We'll be back in a few from Park Avenue. This has been a special Business Radio X production brought to you by Training Pros, your source for local learning and development experts. Learn more at training-pros.com.